You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Are there too many yoga teachers teaching online right now? Is it possible to be heard above the noise, even if you're just starting out? How can you replace or even increase your income in light of all the free content available these days? These are some of the topics that my guest Kate Stillman and I discuss on today's podcast episode. Kate is a leader and author in the field of Ayurveda, peak performance, habit evolution, and dharma. Her podcast, The Yoga Healer Show, has over 3 million downloads, and her newsletter reaches more than 40,000 people. Her books include Body Thrive and Master of You, just released in March of 2020. Stay tuned to the end of this episode for a chance to win a copy of Kate's new book, Master of You. Before we dive into the conversation with Kate, I want to make sure that you know about the patron program for this show. For as little as $5 a month, you can support the ad-free production of this podcast every single week, plus get access to extra episodes, online trainings, and supplemental resources that are designed to help you go deeper and take action on the lessons that you learned from listening. You can find out more about the patron program at teachingyoga.net slash patron. Kate and I recorded this episode just a few weeks ago, so it does touch on what's happening in our industry due to COVID-19. We decided to release it on both of our shows because we thought the topics would be relevant to both of our audiences. However, a quick heads up that there was an audio glitch. So this episode starts about 10 minutes into the conversation. And remember to keep listening until the very end for instructions for how you can enter to win a copy of Kate's book, Master of You. whatever it is that the people in my community are asking me for. Okay. And so what I'm hearing in that is like you, you kind of like me and see it as a very much a dynamic conversation where you're talking about something, you're getting feedback on, can you also talk about this? And then you bring in a resource or you talk about that. And then it provokes the next part, like the call and response. Yeah. And I think that's a hundred percent important for building an audience. If you're just in your own echo chamber, I, I don't think it works very well. You have to have the response. Yeah. We're all kind of crazy that way, right? Like where it's like, like I was talking with a, a team member yesterday and she asked me for some feedback and I was like, I, I think you let the conversation in your own head uh, go longer than necessary. Whereas like you start having that conversation in your head, like then bounce it off to make sure it bounces with reality. Like is that right? Because otherwise what can happen is we think we know what, people want to hear what they're interested in or how we're doing or in, and it's actually this feedback allows us to pivot. It's why yoga students need yoga teachers, right? It's because they need someone to be like, Oh, um, your femur bones are actually like three inches in front of your heels. <laughs> you might totally. not know that about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been a yoga teacher for 15 years and I actually started the website about probably 10 years ago. And I had the best of intentions. I figured out really quickly how much work it was to, I was blogging 
And I thought I would include other people into that. And so I started to do outreach and networking and try to get other yoga teachers to help me blog. And that was so, it was like herding cats. Huh. You know, out of the number of people who said, yes, I'd love to write something, I probably had, I mean, like, there was probably like 50 or 100 people who said, yes, I'd love to write something, and probably five of them actually did. Huh. And so, you know, I got into this, uh, the, the trap of getting overwhelmed and not being consistent. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and being kind of a perfectionist about it. And so- Which is when, common, right? Like all of those things, just- inconsistent perfectionist and not really understanding like the scope of the work and what was needed and how to reorganize time with. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to highlight that because it's relatable for a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. So the big turning point for me was actually doing market research conversations. I did a hundred conversations with yoga teachers and within that dynamic back and forth, Were I you heard asking them the exact same question. Not exactly. I had categories, I had a spreadsheet, but I would let the conversation flow naturally. Mm -hmm. And with some people, it would kind of go sideways and I would just go wherever the conversation went. Yeah. And with other people, it was a little stiffer and I, you know, I kind of needed to rely on my categories more. Okay. But that back and forth gave me so much insight and also really fed me and inspired me to start the podcast. And this, when I started the podcast, I was like, I'm doing it every week, rain or shine, you know, in sickness and in health. And, um, and I think that that, you know, those two pieces really made a huge difference. Yeah. It was interesting. Like last night, my husband was asking, we were talking about YouTube because he was watching some, this might seem unrelated, but like how to assess real estate investment for multi-user. Like we're just looking at different investment properties and stuff right now. And he was like, what are you, what's your, like, why aren't you big on YouTube? And I was like, at some point you have to choose. And I chose podcast. Like I chose to be really regular and I've got an eight year track record with a weekly show, right? Like at some point you just can't decide like, oh, I'm going to do YouTube too. Because yeah. you, I'm like, would you ever watch a podcast on YouTube? Well, no, no I, I wouldn't. And you know, like I prefer podcasts myself. That's why I chose podcasting Yeah, because I like to be able to move while I listen. So yeah. I like whether I'm going on a walk washing the dishes or even just like moving around intuitively. I don't yeah. want to chain myself to my chair any more yeah. than I already am. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this is, this is really, this is really important to realize like how, how you learn or how you do things. Cause the other thing is like, for me, is like, I didn't want to get stuck in like how to videos, mm -hmm. which is, that's what I primarily use YouTube for. was like, I'm trying to figure out how to do something, <laughs> you know, whether it's like, synchronize my one password accounts or whatnot. Like I looking for like the shortest video possible to answer how to do something, not deep dive conversations. Totally. Yeah. Because who has the patience to watch a deep dive conversation on YouTube or the attention span these days? So what else did you find from your, from your research, from your market oh, research so with yoga teachers? So, <laughs> so much. I mean, one of the things that I would guess from my market research with yoga teachers is like just the broken business model. Like that's just that it's actually how it seems like it's modeled to be a successful yoga teachers and actually how it, how it works, but it's what everyone then replicates and it's not sustainable. 
Well, there's that for sure, but there's also that our culture has been changing very rapidly. And so what worked for our teachers is not the same thing as what's going to work for us. And yeah. same thing with kind of the generation that we're teaching. And so I definitely notice that when we look to what worked for somebody else, it's not necessarily the same path that we need to take. But there is, there is a path, and that path is what we've been talking about, which is to listen to people and have conversations with people and respond instead of just kind of going blindly forward. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, this is what I'm finding more and more is like, it's the developing of the relationship, like the velocity of relationship. Uh, and in the, in the velocity, like even just looking at velocity and friction and, um, and, and traction, right? That there's a level of what, because everything, there's a freemium version of everything right now. Like how to do downward dog, like that video has been done 10,000 times, right? So if that's all free, and if we look at our own transformational journeys on the path of yoga, like what are the key elements? And there's some level of instruction, and then there's a whole other level of uh, kula or sangha or relationship of like there's a, there's a community of practice in this community. Like the people actually know each other. They're not just virtual friends. Like they're not just a number of fans or listeners or whatnot, but it's actually a habit-based community where people are like do, having the same aspirations and aligning their lives in similar ways um, so that they can grow together. And also there's the, the progression of having a teacher who can help you see what the next step for you is. Because if you go out and look, there's so much free content, there's so much to consume as content, but you're doing it in this haphazard way. So if you really wanna make progress, whatever, whether it's yoga, business, health, whatever you wanna make progress in, eventually you, you need a teacher to say, no, you've been kind of going in this direction, but that's not taking you where you wanna go. This is your next step. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Like when you look at the role of like the guru, the guide, the, the coach, the teacher, the mentor, and asking yourself like, who is that for, who is that for me in, in my body? Or I, I got, uh, there was a message to me the other day around like a spiritual guide. Like, do you consider yourself a spiritual guide? And I like thought about it for half a second. I'm like, sure, like, of course. I definitely awaken and guide people on a spiritual level, right? Like there's this, there's this understanding that there's connectivity, that there's relatability, that there's someone there that can like accurately reflect like this is, this is what I, you know, this is what you said you want. This is what I see happening. Um, and there's a level of, you know, vulnerability and honesty in that relationship that you're just never going to get from like a freemium version on YouTube or a freemium version or, or like being a podcast listener and not being a course member in my case, mm -hmm. you know, or in your case, the same deal of like being someone that's just, you don't actually know they exist except for you see a number on a download to you're able to be in right relationship with in order to guide, to mentor, to help them do what they're trying to do. Right. And the decision comes from the student right? You, you talked about whether you're a sp spiritual teacher or not. Well, that's, that's really up to the student. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And the only way I know that is from feedback. Right. Right. Of someone saying like, you did this for me, like, or you helped me see this in myself and take a line to action to become more.
Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, imposter syndrome and how for, you know, I, I feel like there's levels and layers to imposter syndrome. I know for me, like I had online courses for years. I had um, already made a lot of money. I had already had gazillion followers. And then like I went in 2015 with my first book release, it was like on a whole other level of, you know, just name and name and print. Um, and whatever that is now, like, I know there's like a million versions of that and there's some really crappy eBooks out there. And then there's like published books with publishers, et cetera. And then, you know, there's the big five and whatnot. So there's like obviously levels and layers of it. And to me, it felt like with that first, you know, just like real book release, oh my gosh, there was a diksha in it. There was a level of initiation of like, oh, I'm allowing my views to be seen on, on another level of, of exposure and with depth, which means I'm opening to a whole other level of, you know, Amazon feedback reviews and yada, yada. So there's a, there's a level of like just reality of exposure. And then there's this level of like, how much are you willing to step into what you believe and what you have conviction for? Um, so I would love to hear how you, I know you have an unusual take on imposter syndrome. So well, let's hear it. I think imposter syndrome is a positive sign. I think it's a really good sign of two things. One is that you're sincere. And two is that you are stepping outside your comfort zone. If you never have imposter syndrome, it either means you're a sociopath <laughs> or it means that you're just playing it safe all the time. Yeah. And so to me, when I recognize the imposter syndrome in myself, it's a opportunity or an invitation to check in. Do I really believe this? You know, is this something that I can stand behind? Is there anything I need to change about this or about the way that I'm showing up? And does this just mean that this is my next step and I just need to lean into it? So that's my take on it. I'm, that's a real nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah, of well, sounds, version. yeah. Well, it sounds like the same thing, right? It's like conviction and diksha. It's interesting that you bring up the, the sort of um, vanilla. I'll just call it vanilla, right? Like if you're just too vanilla, like the, your convictions aren't specific enough or deep enough uh, or emotional enough you're not going to get traction with it because it just looks like everything else. And I see this a lot with our, with yoga health coaches that are, um, haven't already done work in this area or are just kind of newer to finding their voice or their core message, uh, is that they, like when I see what they're writing or posting on social, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is just what everybody else is, which means I have no idea who you are, which means that maybe you have no idea who you are. Right. Which means to me that like Shakti is an awaken, like just like second chakra, feminine, divine, creative power is latent, not active. And I think that to wrap back around to the previous part of the conversation, the big way to awaken that is through service. So through looking at an actual person that you're trying to help, I think a lot of times when people, whether it's a yoga teacher or a health coach and, and they're putting things out there and it's very bland and it's just so general that you don't see any juice in it, 
it's because they're trying to reach everyone and they're trying to talk to everybody. Yeah. But if you get them talking about a specific student of theirs, then suddenly they'll light up and they'll really start to get passionate. And the things that they'll say will start to make, really make a lot of sense. So to me, they're all interwoven and it really does start with that conversation and that connection. Yeah. Well, and it's like that specificity, right? Of like, no, exactly. Like when you're posting on social or when you're writing a newsletter, or doing a podcast, like know exactly who you're speaking to in terms of the listener, mm -hmm. right? Like have that face, like have that name, know the psychographic, know the demographic. And so that you can address specifically. And so when they listen to it, they're like, oh my gosh, the show was made for me. I'm so glad I tuned in. This is relevant. And with yes. all the noise out there, it has to feel like that because there's, yeah, I mean, when I started podcasting, there was like a handful of yoga podcasts. I think it was the first Ayurvedic podcast. And now it's, it's loud, right? There's a lot, there's a lot going on. I mean, the advantage to that is there's more podcast listeners um, with more specific desires. But there's this, uh, I think just if we go back to like the initial questions that I posed around like how many fans, how many followers, how many paying clients does a person does a person need and the, and the different business models behind that. I was asking you about business model and you were saying that in your podcast, you're adding a, you're adding Patreon as an option to have protected content behind a firewall, essentially behind like a payment wall. Uh, and you, you just talk a little bit about that business model and like what kind of revenue you expect from that and what size audience you wanted to have before doing that. Well, the truth is that even though I had in my mind that I'd like to do that eventually, I didn't plan to do it right now. I was planning to release an online course right now. And because of COVID-19, I was like, yep, guess I'm not doing that because the messaging was just very different from what would be received at this moment. And so I was, I, I would say that I don't have a huge plan behind it. And it's an experiment. And that's what, you know, essentially everything that we do in our business is an experiment. Yes, we want to have do market research. Yes, we want to have projections and data. But until we see how our audience responds and behaves, it's just a guess. So that's what I'm doing right now is I'm running an experiment and I'm excited about the experiment. So because I'm excited about the content that I'm creating for the patrons. And that to me says that at least it'll be a worthwhile experiment, if nothing else, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And it kind of goes back to like that conversation around like YouTube versus podcasting versus being an Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Like, right. If like just choosing, choosing something, trying it, testing it, getting feedback, you know, like to, cause whatever you might find like you're way more uh, in-depth listeners than you thought and they want more connection with you and this is how they're now able to get that uh, or or not right and then it, and then what's the next what's the next what's the next thing to test I love that about lean startup methodology agile management lean um, and uh, design thinking of just like you gotta think big, test small, fail fast, learn always. And the companies right now, and even like the micro, I call them like micropreneurs, right? <laughs> our little, our solopreneurs, our little tiny businesses. Uh, like just getting that, like we get to, we get to pivot faster. It's easier to say like, Hey, this is working. Hey, this isn't working. Where, what do I want to, what do I want to 
try next, but how can I try that in a way that I can really follow through on? Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I think that's also where a lot of uh, the sort of scattered to the wind is. I think what I see in a lot of a lot of yoga teachers where they're not able to actually focus and funnel their energy deep enough for something to get traction. Yes. And I think a lot of people have unrealistic expectations about what an audience can do. So mm. one of the statistics that I've seen is, is about 2% of your audience is going to buy something that's leveraged. You know, people who have an audience of 500, you're talking about what, 10, 10 clients. Yeah. And maybe if you have a really high ticket offer, that's enough. Yeah. Um, a high touch, high ticket. But a lot of times people are like coming out with a $50 product to right. 500 people. Yeah. And the math there doesn't really add up. Now, no. that's not to say you can't test it. It's not to say you can't say, you know what? I could be the one in a million <laughs> who really hit the nail on the head and, and provided exactly what these people need. Because I've heard stories about people with small audiences doing big things. But on low to, dollar things without an advertising budget? Um, I would poke into that because my guess is there's some other, there's some X factors in there. Well, yeah, the X factor is fit. The X factor is getting the exact thing that these people need that nobody else is offering. But yeah. like we just talked about, that's super unlikely. Most people when they're just starting out are too broad, too general and yeah. haven't done enough market research to really understand it. So that's, you know, that's right. the one in a million. That's like, you know, the exception that proves the rule usually, right? Right. Like but even said, so, even the math on that. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and obviously I don't have any specific examples in my head. Yeah. So I'm not going to say it's a $50 offer. Like maybe it's a $200 offer, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but the point is that we cannot count on that. We can experiment with it. But yeah. if you get all excited about what you're offering and think that, okay, if people don't buy this, then I'm a loser and this is never going to work. <laughs> that's the mistake there, right? Yeah. It's not the experimentation that's a mistake. It's interpreting the results. So if you get... 3% of your audience to buy, then you're doing great. Even if you only made 15 sales, you're still like, you, you can say, okay, now I just need to make a bigger, get a bigger audience. Now I know my product works. I, you know what I find, because internet, I've been in internet marketing for a decade and just seen so many changes and growth along, along the way. Uh, and, you know, the rise of Google ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, like all the, you know, all, all the things for how people are um, able to get more, you know, the word out to more people uh, besides organic growth. And that to me is a whole other conversation. And I know a lot of the strategies behind that because that's how I grew for the first 10 years uh, was just organic. Is, I mean, what I've come to focus on is just the high ticket item of like, why not just have lead the journey experience. Like why not have an extremely results oriented, cultivated experience knowing that it's, you know, at the end of the day, not much more work to convert at $50 as it is at $5,000. Uh, if that's where you just organize your time and energy to. So then if you only have 20 people a year, but it's at $5,000, at least you broke the six figure ceiling, you know, and, and you have a lifestyle where you're not just trying to like 
play the internet marketing game, which changes frequently, is highly competitive. Um, we're, and there's not as much, there, there's so much on the marketplace at that level. Whereas if you have a relationship with the people on your list and you know 2% are gonna convert, you know you only need 500 people on your list and then you cultivate the experience of how those people go from having more of a distant relationship to an inner circle relationship. It's such an effective lifestyle driven business model that appeals to, you know, holistic practitioners because they're wanting a holistic lifestyle. Like they're not really wanting to understand Facebook ads at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. And I think that the major thing that would hold people back from that business model would be imposter syndrome. Agreed. I fully agree. And, and yeah. And what, you know, you know, that conviction and diction of just like knowing that it's going to be that way, like knowing, like, like what you said, like there's a fire you're going to have to step through at each level. And that to me, like, that's the yoga of business. Like that's the beauty of being a yoga teacher and being in business is you get to do yoga all the freaking time. Top us. Yeah. Nonstop. Well, I mean, we know that yoga is something that we do all the time. <laughs> and to imagine that business would be separate is, you know, like a, an illusion. And yeah. so to acknowledge that we can practice yoga in our business is really powerful because number one, it demystifies business a little bit. And it, I certainly had the experience for the first five to 10 years of my teaching where I was very resistant to business and marketing. And I thought that it was counter to yoga. It was like somehow opposite from yoga. And I had this realization that nothing is counter to yoga. That's ridiculous that anything could be the opposite of yoga or counter to yoga. And, and really any system, any system can be done either ethically or unethically, right? And even yoga practices can, can be done in a way that leads to harm or leads to helping, right? Mm -hmm. So to marry yoga and business, it's the only ethical way to run a yoga business, right? To separate them is like to say, you know, I'm going to be ethical over here. And then I'm, you know, just because I have to, I'll, I'll do some of these business things, but you're, there's no way to ever fully flourish as a yoga teacher, as a business owner, if you don't find some way of marrying your personal ethics, your personal ethical system with the way that you run your business. I love that. And I think just to tie into conviction and belief, right? Like for anyone listening to decide like, what is that? Like, what are your ethics? How do you want to serve? What do you want those relationships to be like? And going back to the yamas and niyamas can be super helpful. Like what is a clean business to you? Right? Like it was funny. I was, I was joking around with my husband last night about, you know, like what people are saving money on right now and how much more money people have. Um, who are in our sort of avatar category to actually in, invest in what they really want rather than just like this sort of like superficial spending that was happening um, predominantly in the last whatever 50 years. Uh, and I was talking about, I was talking about like my personal greenhouse gas emissions and how, cause I've been online for a decade. You know? So I'm like, everyone's catching up to me in terms of like their personal carbon footprint. And 
And this was a big thing because before I was in, before I started Yoga Healer, I was in climate change politics and policy and very aware of carbon footprint from an early age and just really wanting to be able to work in a way that I wasn't polluting, you know? And now it's so cool to see that, you know, even for a lot of yoga teachers who are trying to figure out like the online and in person and what it, what is this? I call it the hybrid model where it's like, I mean, hybrid is just such a good word for, you know, when there's a couple things coming together, which is always the emergent, right? Like the emergent never comes from outer space. It comes from like two things synergizing in a new way and pushing forward into outer space. I I love that from Strategic Intuition. It's a great book on that. But in any case, this like sense of, oh, wait, there's certain things that we need to be in the same room for. And there's certain things that we don't need to be in the same room for, and maybe doesn't even need to happen at the same time, could be also asynchronistic. And how do I serve given all of, all of these opportunities? Like, how do I mix and match? Like, what is my way of innovating uh, into, and just for, you know, the yoga teachers listening or the wellness pros listening to like, to really see it that way of like, you are more free to create in design than ever. There's more easily available, like, even to start a podcast right now or a YouTube channel is honestly 10 times easier than it was 10 years ago, at least 10 times easier. You don't really have to figure things out. It's just done for you. You just like obvious user experience, click, click, click. So you get to choose from anything and create whatever you want. Like, what do you stand for? How do you want to run your career? What kind of relationships do you want to have with your clients? How many clients do you actually need at what price point to sustain that? Yeah, I can't imagine if we had had COVID-19 20 years ago it would have been so much harder for so many people. Yeah. Yeah, there weren't that many people online 20 years ago. The technology also that's available now. I mean, live streaming yoga classes, that right. that technology was not <laughs> there 20 years ago. Yes, video where you could pre-record, yeah. but working together live. Bandwidth, bandwidth yeah. exactly, <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, not everybody even has the bandwidth these days. It's it's still a privilege to live in an area with high-speed internet. Yeah. Most of the world doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the technology is catching up that we don't need it as much as well, where it's like we're able to pack more into smaller into smaller chunks. Uh, Zoom's done a great job. They did a better job with that earlier on than a lot of the the technologies, which is why a lot of us ended up on Zoom years ago, because it was like, well, people don't need the kind of bandwidth to use this platform. So it is cool to see just the whole evolution. And I just want to remind the wellness pros listening that, you know, what it might seem right now that there's all this stuff like you're competing with free <laughs> and free is everywhere. Uh, and people like me and Mado don't necessarily, we might be seen as competitors in that way. Uh, because we put out podcasts regularly and social and have systems around it, et cetera. But what I want to remind you of, it's like, it is a velocity of relationship. It's like your connection with the people who know you and like you and trust me, who don't know me from Jack. Uh, and that's, those are the people that you need to serve and asking yourself, like, what's the best way to serve those people right now? And then how do you use the tools available, whether they're social tools or video conferencing tools or iTunes podcast tools is really where your creativity comes in. Yeah. And that's where you'll get excited and you will create something really powerful when you're working on serving the people in your community. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thanks, Mado. It's been fun to talk to you about yoga and business and shelter in shelter in place yoga teacher style business evolution. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Kate. If you're interested in the topic of building an audience online, but you're struggling with getting started with knowing what steps to do first, the two things that I recommend getting started on right from the very beginning is niche and market research. And when you have those two pieces in place, everything else goes so much faster and is so much easier. If you want help with those two projects, I've got resources for you inside inside the patron program for the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. The patron program has three levels, and at the basic level, which is just $5 a month, you get access to a worksheet on creating your niche and a detailed guide for doing market research. On the second level, which is $20 a month, you also get access to a live Q&A with me. So you can do this work, and then when you get stuck, you can show up at this live Q&A and ask me questions directly. The third level is the VIP patron, and at that level, you get a one-on-one call with me, a 20-minute call once a month, which by itself covers the cost of the monthly fee, and so everything else that you get is basically free. Now, if you want these guides at the $5 level, you do have to sign up by June 1st. If you're listening later and you need access to the archives, then you'll need to sign up at one of the higher levels of support to get access to the full archives of resources. You can find out more about the Yoga Teacher Resource Patron Program at teachingyoga.net slash patron. Speaking of the patron program, I want to give a huge shout out to all the founding patrons who signed up the first week that the program was available. I am going to do my best with all of your names. Anetta, Anna Maria, Baruch, Brittany, Carrie, Cecilia, Charlotte, Christina, Dana, David, Dennis, Esther, Fi, Grace, Gretchen, Henrika, Honey, Jackie, Jane, Jen, Jill, Jim, Jody, Julie, Juzby, Kate, Catherine, Katie, Carrie, Kilty, Kim, Laura, Another Laura, Lucy, Mandy, Marlise, Marianne, Monica, Nikki, Paige, Another Paige, Rita, Celia, Sarah, Six, Sky, Sue, Susan, Tammy, Veronica, Yoga Joe, Olga, and Zoe. Some really cool names in there. If I were thinking of having another kid, which I am definitely not, I would probably go back to that list for ideas. Thank you all so very, very much for believing in me and for wanting to support the podcast. It means more to me than I could possibly express that you signed up for the patron program without any hesitation. If you are just now hearing about the patron program, I would love to have you on board as well. You can go to teachingyoga.net slash patron, P-A-T-R-O-N, patron, and find out all the details. Now, I promise to tell you about how to enter to win Kate's book, Master of You. So here's the deal. You'll just hop on Instagram, follow Kate Stillman. That's Kate with a C, S-T-I-L-L-M-A-N, Kate Stillman. And if you're not already following me, look for Yoga Teacher Resource and follow me as well. Then in my profile, find any of the posts 
that mention this episode. Usually there's three per episode. And comment on that post that you would like to enter the giveaway. If you want an extra chance, you can tag a friend you think might enjoy listening. And that's it. You'll be entered. Now, I know that not everybody's on Instagram, so if you're not on Instagram and don't want to be on Instagram, just shoot an email to helloyogateacher at gmail.com, and I'll enter you that way. That's all you got to do, and that is all I've got for you this week. So as always, thank you so very much for listening, and thank you for caring enough to want to share yoga with a wider audience. 